0: If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. Conversation readiness. We often hear terms like sales readiness. So what is conversation readiness? It's really about getting yourself ready for conversations. Now, when we think about conversations, do we really take the time socially to say, geez, I'm meeting my friends out for dinner. I've really got to be ready. No, we typically don't do that. Yet, with that being said, how many of us have friends who simply show up and they're not ready? So think about somebody who peeks at their phone while you're talking, or they say something that's out of congruence with the conversation, meaning they steer the conversation in another direction. And often they're misunderstood as, wanting to control the conversation or they're not listening or maybe they just misheard something and interpreted it differently. So we typically don't go home to our spouses or family members and say, "Oh boy, dinner's coming. I've got to be ready to listen." Yet, how often do our kids say, "Geez, mom and dad never listen to me?" Conversation readiness is about being ready for a conversation. Now, Why do we need conversation readiness? First and foremost, conversations make up workplace cultures. I'm going to give some numbers that I think are startling. And if you are using our handout or if you have a pad of paper, write down the following numbers. 41 percent, 10 percent versus 95 percent, 29 percent versus 71 percent. Now, the first one is 41%. The McKinsey organization reported in Q4 of 2022 that 41% of people were actively looking for jobs due to a lack of career coaching or conversation. Four out of 10 employees, that's a startling statistic. Now, Tasha Yurik, who has a PhD in industrial psychology in her book, Insight, a New York Times bestseller, reports when she surveyed people, about their self-awareness, the ability to look in the mirror and really be honest with themselves, 95% of the people said they were highly self-aware. Yet, when she tested them, only 10% were. That means 8.5 out of every 10 employees are significantly lacking self-awareness. Four out of 10 are potentially looking for jobs. Now, the Gallup organization states in their research that 29% of people are actively engaged, positive. 71% 7 out of 10 employees are neutral or actively disengaged. Think about that. 7 out of 10 people are either just doing their job or they're negative. Now, the number I didn't give you is 8 to 1. An 8 to 1 ratio. The Gallup organization reports when we lead with people's strengths, People engage eight times more. Yet, I already know your answer, but I'm going to ask you anyways. When an employee gets called into the office and the boss says, Joanne, I need to see you in my office right away. What's the employee's first response? We all say the same thing every time. "Uh Uh-oh, I must be in trouble. Why? Because that's what we do. Yet, if we are conscientious and we are conversation ready, it can change an individual. It can change the perception of a leader. It can change an organization if it's done universally across the organization. So let's think about conversation readiness. Let's think about some of the things that need to be done and what types of conversations need to occur on a daily basis. So when we think about a conversation, there's typically somebody who approaches and somebody who receives. So if I'm a boss and I need to give someone feedback, I would be the approacher and the person I'm giving the feedback to would be the receiver. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a term called emotional listening. See, I don't think people rationally or logically listen. I think they emotionally listen. Let me give you a context. When the other day I was at an organization where we were sitting there having a conversation and Somebody was having a tough conversation with somebody and the person walked away. I was in the meeting. I was actually observing the conversation and the person went to two other employees and they were walking down the hall and they said, oh, that guy just likes to hear him talk. He doesn't care about anybody else's ideas. And I sat there and I thought, wait a minute. First of all, how does she know he does not care about other people's ideas? Yes, he got long-winded. Yes, he did insert himself into the conversation. Yes, he did lack self-awareness and he did interrupt a few times, as did she. And he was very passionate about this topic. Now, I happen to know that because I had worked with him and the topic that was coming up was something he was very passionate about. Yet she interpreted it as he does not care about anybody else. So I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, could I ask you a question? And she said, sure. I said, I I hope you don't mind, but I overheard you. How do you know factually that he does not care about other people's ideas? Not what you felt or you interpreted, but how do you know that to be true? She said, well, I guess I don't. That was my interpretation. I said, okay. I said, do you mind if I give you some feedback on something? And I said, and I think it's a really cool opportunity to explore this. And she's looking at me very puzzled-like. She was very perplexed because I was happy, I was upbeat, yet I was giving her some feedback. I was giving her some constructive feedback. I said, you just told two people that that guy does not care about anybody, and I think they're going to tell maybe four people each. See, here's the funny thing, everybody. Conversations travel, and boy, oh boy, do they travel fast. And there's going to be eight versions out there and you're going to be the source of those eight versions, the original source. She said, yeah. And you could just see her head spinning. And I said, do you think they're going to represent that accurately? Well, wait a minute. How could they represent it accurately? Cause I'm not so sure what you provided was accurate. I'm not saying you're wrong yet. Do you really, really know he does not care? Literally. She said, no, I don't. I said, huh, I'm wondering if you took a risk there. And I'm wondering how he's going to feel if it gets back to him by one of those eight people that are going to hear this secondhand now, that it came from you. I'm wondering how he would feel. She said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, oh boy. oh Yeah, she goes, that's not fair. And I said, let me tell you something. We all make that mistake. I do it, you do it. We interpret people, right? Would you mind if I shared something with you? Again, and she said, sure. I said, do you know that topic he is very passionate about? I said, I'm going to acknowledge something. He interrupted you, he talked over you a few times. It had an effect on you. But do you know something he shared with me privately? He said, I've got to get everybody to see this. I want to help everybody in the company see this issue because it'll really help us. Now, that was his intent. He didn't give you that perception. Because conversationally, he interrupted you. He talked over you. He made you feel bad. He discounted non verbally, potentially your ideas, and it had an impact on you. And she said, Yeah, it did. And as we're talking, you could see her calming down. I said, See, here's the funny thing we don't listen logically, we emotionally listen, we take things out of context. We label and we judge and we spin and we tell. She said, yeah, that's what I did. And I said, you know what? I do the same thing. So here's the really funny thing. When we're giving conversations or starting conversation as the approacher, let's take feedback, conflict, acknowledging strengths, delivering bad news. When you give feedback, when we call somebody into our office, the employee's response is, "Uh uh-oh, I must be in trouble. So when we approach, we have to also remember that feedback is an opportunity. What if leaders paused and really thought long and hard about how to deliver constructive feedback opportunistically? What if they replaced the words constructive feedback with the word perspective or insight and opportunity, such as, Jane, I think you have an awesome opportunity to work with Tom more effectively, and I would love to hear from you and how you might suggest that occurring versus, Jane, I'm getting really frustrated. You and Tom don't work well together. And it's it's got to stop. Which of those two scenarios would you respond favorably to? Probably the first one. Now, the same thing happens with conflict. When we have to confront somebody, what do we typically do? To use a baseball analogy, we typically wait to the bottom of the eighth or ninth inning when we have to confront. See, confronting the true logical definition of confronting is nothing more than building awareness where somebody has a wonderful opportunity to improve that most people dare not go. See, when I tell people I love to coach people with a negative attitude, they think I'm nuts. The reason I love it is because I already know what the issue is. You can see it. You can feel it. Oh, by the way, I think they know it deep down. My job isn't to change them. My job is to give them the choice to change. So when we have to confront somebody, what if we are more ready and we use words such as we, share, opportunity, perspective, observation, the word and, not the word but, such as, Tom, I think we have an awesome opportunity to really um, position you and Jane to work in congruence with one another. You know, hearing that, where do you feel like you have strengths in that area? And honestly, where do you feel like you have opportunities and what are some opportunities to think Jane might have? And I'd love to have a conversation with her as well. And then let's get together. Notice I didn't come out charging. I didn't come out with emotion. I didn't come out with my own frustration. Because when I have frustration, does that calm somebody down? Do you feel calm right now? Probably not. So when we also take the time to acknowledge other people's strengths by calling people into the office for the good stuff, guess what happens? They become more accepting Of the feedback, the opportunity conversations where they can improve. See, most people will let things go until they have to, or most people, especially leaders, will have these conversations between meetings when they have to, when there's a five-minute window of opportunity. Now, in defensive leaders, often someone will knock on their door and say, boss, you got a second? It's going to be about 19 to 23 minutes. Oh, by the way, that's the fourth person that did it that day. That has an emotional effect on the leaders because time is running. The meter's running. They don't want to say, no, sure, sure, go ahead. And they put their head down and they peek at their paper and they're kind of half listening. That has an effect. That's why conversation readiness can change the trust of a leader, can change the congruence and collaboration and communication with team members. That's why when we are ready and we position ourselves to be ready, we have a dramatically different impact on the people we interact with. Now, on the flip side, somebody will say, but what if you don't have time? Then you tell someone, you know what, Tom, I love that you knocked on my door today. To be fair to you, you will not have my full attention. I'm seven minutes away from the meeting. I'm just preparing, going over the charts in my presentation. Could we schedule something on my calendar? Would you give me about a five-minute window? Send me some bullet points of what you want to talk about so I'm really ready to assist you rarely are you going to have somebody fight you on that. Now, the last thing is when we deliver bad news. I think one of the most fundamental examples is when somebody does not get a job. They went for a promotion and they didn't get it. See, I also think receivers have to be emotionally ready. I think they have to listen, and I mean really listen. Void of distraction. Now, active listening is the ability to paraphrase or state back to somebody. I get that. But ready to listen, to truly listen factually, not emotionally, so it can be interpreted accurately and not judgmentally. Let me give you an example. I've shared this story before. I have a very good friend at one of our client sites, a young lady that's tough, works on the shop floor, wants to go into the office and she didn't get a promotion. And she was wanted to work in customer service. She had never really turned on a computer. And all of a sudden, you know, after she didn't get the job, I heard her telling three other people in the lunchroom, oh, the guy attacked me. Now, come on. In an interview, somebody got attacked. (laughs) But listen to the judgment. Listen to the labeling, the spinning. And what she's in doing what she was doing was she was emotionally interpreting she was not emotionally ready void of it was going to be good news or bad news. she was only ready for the good news. so she cut off one part of her brain from even hearing the opportunity the interview really presented because quite frankly she was not qualified. quite frankly, she should never have been interviewed. So when we're approaching, we have to be conversation ready. If we position people to receive and be emotionally ready, listening ready, ready to interpret accurately and not judgmentally, conversations will stand on their own merits. See, every single day when you look at what leaders go through, you know, every single day they're working with other people. They have people who didn't get promotions. They have to give feedback for performance, both positively and potentially constructively. And is there true readiness on the other side of the table, the person receiving? It's tough. It's very tough. So when you think about conversation readiness, we don't go home and say, oh, here comes my wife. I've got to really be ready. I got to really listen to her. Come on, guys. Let's be candid. What do our wives say about us? They don't listen, and we don't at times. (laughs) And so what happens is, We practice not being ready. So one of the things that I found out about myself years ago from a great coach, Scott Rasmussen, is I did an assessment um, for entrepreneurs and was an entrepreneurial DNA assessment by a gentleman by the name of Joe Abraham, New York Times bestseller. Loved it. Just loved the work. It changed the way I do things. And my coach, Scott, said, you know, it's really funny about you. And I said, what's that? He goes you are um, extremely easy to get frustrated with people. I'm like, what? I teach coaching. I can't be frustrated with people. That's just wrong. I was reacting emotionally. He said, no. He said, you know what I think it is? And he was totally calm when he gave me the feedback. He said, I think you're a high innovator. And I scored very high in this innovation. He said, you'd rather be in the lab Creating new products, ideas, creating content like I'm doing right now. I said, Yeah. And he said, So the thought of sitting down with the team meeting, he goes, You don't even need to say anything. I can see it on your face. I said, Really? He said, Yeah. I said, Wow, that's amazing. I said, But I have clients. He said, I would imagine you don't do this with clients. Here's the funny thing, everybody. When I'm with clients, there's no doubt I get excited. There's no doubt I need to be. More self-regulated because I get excited to help people. I'm self-aware of it, but I, I don't think I do a great job of self-self-regulation a lot of the time. And what that does, my association with working with clients, and we have a lot of clients, and we're lucky, is that when I'm listening, I'm hearing new product ideas. So I had to not create this separation between the two, but I had to create a connection between those two things. Yet 11, 12 years ago when I did this assessment, our company went virtual. I didn't want people in the office because that was my alone time to create, kind of like what I'm doing right now on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. This is the time where I like to create. You can probably hear I don't do a lot of ums or buts or, uh, <clears throat> or clear my throat. I'm fairly well rehearsed because I can do that when there's quiet time. So we have, when we have conversations, we approach and typically we have a receiver socially, we have those friends who are always peeking at their phone or they're not listening. How often have we had that person say to us, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Sorry, I was just texting my son. And what does that do? Does that calm us down? No, typically it frustrates us. So conversation readiness is about being ready. Now, this does not in any way say, be on the defensive. Oh my gosh, someone's about to come to my office. I gotta be ready. Oh, push the ready button. No, what I'm saying is that when we're working with our employees as leaders, when we're working with our peers as good teammates, when we are listening to our leaders to be conversation ready, to approach and to receive. If we practiced readiness, the workplace culture, the team culture, the individual performance will dramatically improve. Let me give you one last story. I had somebody... In a staff meeting. This is a person who really struggled with self awareness. Um, their emotional intelligence assessment was low. We're, we're certified in EQI 2.0 from MHS out of Canada. And what I had her do is I had her take observations and I had her journal for four sessions. Every week they would have a staff meeting. I said, I want you to just write down what you observed. And I want you to observe people's interactions. I want you to write down when somebody brought up a point or addressed somebody at the table, how did that people, you know, describe how that person received it? And she would journal it. Now, she was not allowed. (laughs) Talk about a terrible rule of engagement. She was not allowed to participate in the meeting verbally. She would only attend. So we said, look, you know, Joanne's going to be taking... The uh, minutes for the session today, she's really not going to be collaborating. She's going to be taking some minutes for me and and taking some notes um, so we can make the next meetings more effective. Now, we didn't really tell people what she was doing. And after about four weeks, I sat down with her. I said, so what did you learn? She said, this is amazing how one thing can throw a meeting off the rails. I said, yeah. I said, what did you notice when somebody brought something up and How did the receiver react? And she said, Oh my gosh, they shut down. They don't even listen at all. Now, that wasn't necessarily true. What was she doing? She was emotionally interpreting. She wasn't, you know, not interpreting accurately. Yet I said, What did you see? She said, There was rolling of eyes. There was the folding of the arms. They would break eye contact. I said, Can I ask you a personal question? She said, Sure. I said, Do you ever notice when people do that to you? And she sat back, her eyebrows got raised? And she said, no, but I bet you they do. I said, yeah, I go through that too. Sometimes I'm not aware of the impact I'm having on other people. She said, oh my gosh, I've never thought about looking at how someone's reacting to me when I'm talking. I said, it's really a great mirror when you think about it. So think about conversation readiness. Think about practicing listening. One of the great things you can do at your organization is to listening Techniques. One is called the listening chat. Ask people for feedback. Structure your own feedback, by the way. John, what are two things I do really well as a teammate? What are two things I do really well maybe as a boss? And what's that one area you, you think I have an opportunity to improve? Opportunity to improve. Not constructive feedback where you need to run your head into a wall. You can structure your own feedback and then just listen don't say, give me an example. Most people don't want examples. People want examples so they can argue the point you made. Just listen and say, thank you. I have a president of North America, a publicly traded company. He did this four times for me, called me up, hated it, hated me for asking him to do it. I said, ah, it's gotta be tough. He said, oh, I hate doing this. I said, do you mean like listening to people? That's awful. He started laughing. He said, you're making fun of me. I said, oh, really? Well, I might add, we started laughing, got up to about 20. He said, I'm learning so many things. Why was I not doing this before? I said, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing that you're you're pivoting. The second thing is active listening. We did this with two teams that were in at odds with each other. And I remember the head of the department said to me, would you just come in and sit in? I just want you to observe. We have two departments. I'm in charge of both departments. They don't work well together. I got to figure out how they can handle their conflict. And after a meeting that I attended, I said, I've got the answer for you. And you're going to think it's dumb. I said, you have people so emotionally charged over the issues being shared. That's number one. Number 2 Each department sits on one side of the table. They don't even sit at that round oval uh, conference table, um, you know, where they're sharing. They're actually sitting across from each other, Department A on one side, Department B on the other side. They're already in an adversarial stance. He said, oh my gosh, you're right. I said, now, what I would encourage people to do at your next meeting is to say, look, we're going to create a rule. This is a supercharged issue. We're we're getting emotional. We're getting frustrated with each other. Before you respond to somebody, when they make a point, you have to state back your interpretation of what they meant. So about two weeks go by, I kind of forgot about it. He calls me up. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, we're working so much more effectively together. And I said, oh, what happened? He said, every time somebody stated back, here's what I heard you say, over 50% of the time, because he started to track it with tally marks, he said, the person goes, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I don't think I explained it very well. So what happened with active listening is that people really got the opportunity to re-communicate, re-converse, re-explain, um, re-examine how they had communicated something, and they wanted to be understood. People want to be understood. And so when someone said, well, here's what I've heard you say. Is that correct? The person goes, no, I'm sorry. I, and the person took ownership, he said. People were saying things like, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. So what happens is, is that when you have listening chats where you're just getting feedback, rule of engagement is just to say thank you, not to comment, not to rebuttal, not to say give me an example, and then practice active listening before you provide your point to somebody who's made a point, what happens is emotions calm down. People become more ready. People who want to be understood when someone's presenting active listening to them really become attentive because we want to be understood. That's what conversation readiness can do. It creates greater accuracy, less interpretation, less judgment, less spinning conversations out of control. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called Coach to You, where leaders can pick and choose topics and assign seven to 21-day programs for employees to learn and, more importantly, apply actions and then reflect and share what they're going to do going forward as a result of the learning. It's called Coach to You. We're literally bringing coaching to your employees. If you're intrigued, we'll have a link in each one of our episodes where you can get more information. And again, thank you so much for listening to another episode.